The Healing the City podcast is a ministry of the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you enjoy the Healing the City podcast and wish to support it financially, you can go to villagersonline.com, click the We Give tab, and follow the instructions. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Healing City Podcast. My name is Pastor Eric Seepin, and I am sitting across from my beautiful wife, Pastor Susan Seepin, and we are going to talk to you about forgiveness. And so to start that conversation, I'm going to read out of Ephesians chapter four, first few verses, and then the last uh, verse of that chapter. So Paul starts out in Ephesians chapter four. This is in the NIV, I believe this way. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then at the very end, he says, in verse 32, Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Today we're going to talk about forgiveness and the motivations to forgive are that Jesus has forgiven us and delivered us into the kingdom of God. And so today, Susan is going to kind of give us some practical ways, or at least a framework to think through forgiveness. And uh, she's done a lot of research on this and she's thought it through. And so we're just going to give it a go. So Sue, kick us off here. Yeah, so this is picking up in some ways from Module 6, where we started talking about forgiveness, and we were anchored in a book by Fred Luskin called Forgive for Good, and it's been the most practical book I've read on forgiveness, partly because he defines forgiveness as the ultimate resolution to unwanted loss and grief. That's one of the definitions of it. So resolving loss and grief in our life is what he defines forgiveness as. And so there's really practical ways that he goes about helping people to forgive. And then, you know, it's kind of part of a scientific research inquiry, like go to a country where there have been wars and people have done really awful things to each other. And then can you help the victims of those experiences recover and basically get their lives back. And so the idea of forgiveness is getting your life back in that context. Right. And there are ways that we can get our lives back from the things that seem like they've totally taken over our narrative. Right. So I find that very helpful. I think sometimes books on forgiveness tend to be a little bit vague and it's hard to get a hold of, well, yeah, but how, how would you do this? So the process that he describes begins with uh, developing space in your life where you're not thinking about the wrongs done to you. So you start looking around, enjoying uh, the good things that are happening in your life, recognizing what's really good around you. And it's, he refers to it as changing the channel. Like if your channel is stuck on this person, this wrong thing that happened, then change the channel. Don't give it so much space in your life. And I I think probably when he's writing this, or at least the way it's stuck in his head, he doesn't have a remote. 
Right. So you got to get up and change the channel on your TV. So there's a little effort in this process. Yeah. Of kind of re-narrating what's happening in your brain. Yes. You have to create, like start carving out space for good stuff. Yeah. And not give it all over to this bad thing. Right. That has happened or even the bad things that have happened because the bad thing happened. Right. So, so creating this, this sort of mountain narrative of bad on bad on bad, and this is why you're here. And, yeah. Yes. So the first step is actually just to open some space for the good. Yeah. And that reminds me of things you've been talking about in sermons recently about, are you looking for all the symptoms or are you looking for the signs of what God is doing? And sometimes we get stuck in a space where we're just only ever looking at symptoms. Like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And... God invites us to look for the signs and say, well, God is doing something. Right. So that's the beginning is starting to create a larger perspective. Right. And then he has people go through developing practices of safety. So entering into some sort of practice where you can calm your nervous system down and And feel safe. There are a lot of those on Humanity podcasts. Yes. (laughs) Go back, revisit other podcasts and see what you can find. Um, one of those that is possible is to just take time to imagine being in a space with Jesus and feeling the safety of his presence. Say, that would be an example. But the idea is to actually regularly practice something that creates a sense of safety for you physically and emotionally. And then to be able to Think about the person or event that was wrong and continue to stay in that place of safety. So to if you were going to do a meditation where you were thinking about being in the presence of Jesus, then to also imagine that person in the presence of Jesus, to start imagining or even talking to Jesus about, hey, this thing happened, and hold on to the safety, not to... to, be more connected to the safety than to the difficulty right. of what happened. The event or the situation. To start kind yeah. of being able to hold them at the same time. Yes. Because that is what allows us to think wisely, to look at the other person potentially, even with compassion, to hold some space for it and address it without um, just being thrown off by it by the whole process. All right. So we have the changing the channel, the creating of safety. Mm-hmm. And then the third one. Then there's the acknowledgement of what you had hoped for. Because we all hope for things. We maybe hoped that our mom would be really kind to us and take care, good care of us, not neglect us, be really concerned about our well-being. Right. Because that's what moms are supposed to be. And... So to acknowledge what we hoped for and we realize that the things we hope for don't always happen. Right. And it's not that uh, it's not that we're excusing the mom, like saying, well, it's okay that it didn't happen. It's only saying I hoped for this and it didn't happen. And the things I hope for, the things that people hope for don't always happen. Right. And so there's, I think there's a really big difference between saying this thing happened and it wasn't wrong when it really was wrong. It's not the way things are supposed to be. 
And there's a difference between saying, this person did something to me, and it's okay that they did it. And that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is actually looking at it and saying, I hoped that would happen. That was actually something that should have happened. Or I hoped that this wouldn't happen, and it did. That thing wasn't supposed to happen. So something wrong happened here, and I'm not excusing it. I'm just recognizing I hoped for something other than that. And what we hope for doesn't always happen in this world. So to start heading into that Because it seems to me that if you don't forgive, that there is some level of bitterness that's formed and bitterness eats away at hope. And so part of this practice is to keep hope alive within you. It's to really acknowledge that you do have hopes and to own them. Yeah. And so it's to say, I hoped for this. This did not happen. The thing that I hoped for. Yeah. And then to return to what is my overarching life intention? Like the thing that I actually want to build in my life that I am, have the power to move towards is something that I'm hoping for that's, that this did not keep me from getting. So it's a way of kind of restructuring our hope of saying, I had put my hope on this thing and it didn't happen but I still have a life trajectory that I'm working on. I still have things that I want to see happen in my life that I'm pursuing. I may still have, family might still be a really important value to me. And if my mom didn't give me the family I wanted, that still doesn't, that hope disappointed, doesn't keep me from pursuing my larger hope that I can still have a healthy family. I can still move in that direction. Right. So I think the maybe small H hope and the big H hope uh, starting to hold those and look at them as different things is a piece of it. And then to, to, to return to the safe space again. So this is kind of a practice that would be done over time because we're rewiring our neurology as we do this. So typically you wouldn't, have this go through this process just once maybe you can if it's you know my husband didn't wash the dishes last night but if it's something where there's this ongoing problem or there's a really major wrong that has happened then it may take some time to repeat this process and step into the calm nervous system space and remember and reorient really from the thing that happened to the overarching narrative that what happened to me doesn't prevent me from being able to do what I want to do with my life in the future and what I'm pursuing right now. So I think that is a repeated practice that can be undertaken. And it really seems like that in itself is prepping you to even say the words, I forgive you, or I have forgiven. Yes. It's, it's a preparation for that. Yeah, in and I think and in, this, in this context, forgiveness is separate from reconciliation. So you can forgive a person without actually them ever asking you to forgive them. Right. You can forgive a person without ever telling them that you forgave them because it's about your perspective on life changing. And it's about you getting your life back. 
So I think reconciliation may need to happen. There may be other things that need to happen outside of the actual forgiveness itself. Right. And this but is, yeah. they're not necessarily connected. Right. So forgiveness is separate from reconciliation and justice. Yep. Um, so how then do I forgive? Um, what is it? What are some like practical things to think through to help yeah. me in this? Because th- what you gave is practical, but I think then there's the next steps. Yes. So part of forgiveness, uh, as we mentioned in the other podcast, is this idea that we drop our demands that yeah. we have on people. Right. And another way of saying that, which the author of the book talks about, is that we have created unenforceable rules for another person. So we can think of demands as unenforceable rules. I had rules for this person. They broke my rules. But they're not paying for the broken rules. They're off living their life. Right. And I'm the one who is holding all of the accusations as if... I had uh, one of the examples that he uses is if we were, you know, if if you're um, doing a traffic tickets for all sorts of broken rules, but you can't actually deliver the tickets. And so you're just storing them in your car. So you're carrying around all the traffic tickets and for all the violations, for all the violations <laughs> of your rules, but nobody else knows it. Right. And so. Uh, So some of it is just releasing the rules that can't be enforced and looking at them and saying, okay, I wanted those things to happen. They did not happen. They're probably not going to happen. I'm going to let them go. And I think that's a transition from having demands to having desires. So it goes back to hopes, right? So it goes back to, I hoped these things would happen. I can't enforce them. I can't make them happen. Right. I can feel disappointed that they didn't happen. And I can realize that I still have hopes and for other things that I'm going to move towards intentionally. Right. Like, so for example, like early on in our marriage, one of my rule, unenforceable rules was you will never embarrass me in public. Yeah. Which I also then, once I quote unquote, maybe forgive, forgave you for those or don't have that. I just transferred it to my children. Right. right? You won't right. embarrass me in public. Right. Um, and so that created a lot of control and anger in, inside of me because I couldn't, infor- I couldn't control, in particular, little children. Yeah. Like I could yeah. use manipulation. Not good. We, we, if you listen to some of our podcasts, you've right. heard about manipulation not being good. But um, I can use it a little bit with you more effectively. With my kids, it was more difficult, mm-hmm. uh, especially as they were younger. They They just did it all the time. Right. So I have this. So it created a certain way of feeling about my children. Yeah. And so, in order to, to forgive them for yeah. embarrassing me right. in public, I had to actually let go of that unenforceable rule. Yes. It certainly, I hope and a longing for them not to do that. Right. Or to do things that would do that, but but it's then. So I have when I let go of that rule, and I have forgiven them. Yeah. Right. Because I have released the control. Yes. And I think of that as also other things in our marriage where, you know, over the course of the first few years of being married, you realize what you want from the person isn't always what you're going to get from the person. Yes, you do. (laughs) And some of it you lean into, you know, like you might forgive it and keep asking for it. 
and keep forgiving and keep asking. Or you might just let it go and be like, well, yeah, that's not going to happen. And, you know, maybe it will someday, but I'm not going to push it and I'm not going to ask for it and I release it. And I think those are important ideas because part of what we're looking at is not just how do you forgive somebody you're not in contact with anymore who did something a long time ago, but how do you forgive the person you're living with right now? Because there's this ongoing reality that we hope for things and the person that we're living with may disappoint those hopes is going to disappoint those hopes yeah. along the way. Yeah. So I think part of it is forgiving things that are ongoing. And I think there are some things that we need to forgive and then still have boundaries on. Sure. Because I think sometimes we can be living with somebody who is like, there's just something happening, some dynamic in their relationship that's actually really unhealthy. Right. And, um, we need to recognize it and have some boundary on it and say that I, this isn't going to work for me. Right. So I need this to not happen anymore. A good youth. Good. I, I mean, so your, your spouse or your son is, or your daughter is using drugs Yeah. and yeah. they keep, you know, and they keep doing it or they're, they stop and then they do it again and stop. And so there's forgiveness right. does not condone behavior. Right. Forgiveness is acknowledging that you don't have control over this person. Yeah. And that they, so you can let go of the demand that they stop. Yeah. Um, and you can, but you can have boundaries and say, I don't have to participate in right. this. You can say, I'm not going to facilitate it anymore. Yes. So there's, uh, so a lot of, a lot of forgiveness is a releasing of a burden. And it's interesting because when Jesus dies on the cross and forgives us of our sins, he is taking the burden of sin itself, mm-hmm. the hopelessness, the power of death over us, and taking it away from us. Yeah. Um, and so in some ways, forgiving others is saying, okay, here's here's the burden, Jesus. Like, you mm-hmm. take this. He, he tells us. And I think unforgiveness makes us very weary. Yeah. And very bitter. And very controlling. Mm-hmm. And very angry. And depressed. Mm-hmm. Like forgiveness is actually the mm-hmm. key to being healthy. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, go ahead. You, you were about to say something. Uh, I think that having that forgiving, thinking of forgiveness as separate from boundary building is helpful because if we've actually entered into a space where we can be calm while we're thinking about this person yeah. and we've released our requirements on them. Then we can say, well, what, what, how do I want to live my life? And then we have a better framework for understanding what boundaries are necessary in order for us to live with integrity, even. Yeah. And I think that's something that boundary, that boundary building is probably a whole different podcast, but something that should be done with some close friends, you know, with a couple of other people looking at the situation and saying, yeah, something is off there. And I think something needs to be put into place and what are some consequences that would be appropriate? What are some ways to reconcile the relationship after, you know, to rebuild if consequences go into play, stuff like that. So can, can we just for people, because I know what's banging around in people's heads. So let's, let's start with maybe an extreme example and walk this through just a little bit, Mm because I think this will be helpful. If your father abused you sexually or physically when you were a child, 
and now you're an adult and you haven't really processed a lot of this. Um, Dad's still around, but you don't see him anymore. You've made the boundaries. You're like, I can't be around you. Mm -hmm. But you keep hearing people say, or now you're listening to this podcast and people are saying, well, you got to forgive them. Yeah. What does that actually, I mean, what isn't it, but what does it look like Mm -hmm. to to do that in this process? Mm -hmm. How would you kind of talk that through? So I would think that forgiving that person is not saying that what they did was okay, but it is stepping into a place of calm and safety for yourself and acknowledging what happened as something acknowledging what you hoped for. I hoped that I would be cared for. And maybe you didn't hope for it because it happened. It all happened so early or so young. But you hope now. But looking back, you hope yeah. for your young self that you would have been well cared for and protected and nurtured and that you hope for something better. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe it's really helpful to say exactly what that was. This is what I hope had happened, what I wish had happened. Right. And, but what we hope for doesn't always happen, and it did not happen here. And yet, I can still pursue the things I hope for yeah. now in my life. Yeah. And the fact that those things happened to me in the past does not dictate what happens to me in the future. Yeah. Or what I choose to do in the future or what I build with my life. Yeah. Or what I pursue or who I pursue. Right. So part of forgiveness in this context is not allowing that person to have control over your narrative. Yes. So you are telling your story as a victim to that person. And each thing that happens in your life that's hard is backtracks itself to the thing that happened to you. That is the potential that can hap- happen with unforgiveness. Yes. Is bit- A bitterness builds and then the narrative of my life becomes this wrong thing happened to me. Mm-hmm. And then I started making all of like the, it affected these choices and it affected these things that happened. And so my whole narrative is about that person and yeah. what they did to me where, and so where I'm the victim in the narrative. And I think that forgiveness is in part stepping from being a victim, which we all are, at some level, at some time, victims, but not allowing victim to become my overarching identity. Right. And so I start building a narrative where I'm the victor, where I'm the hero of the story, where I say, this happened and it was really hard and it affected me for a long time. It affected things that happened in my life. It affected choices I made. And yet I have forgiven that person and I'm moving in a new trajectory right. and I'm moving towards the things that I hope for and that I want to see happen in my life. Yeah. And I think probably the things that I would kind of tack onto this that fit into what you were saying, and you said this the f- earlier, is that in the safe space, once you've calmed your nervous system and you begin to hold both the person who has wronged you and hold your your stabilized nervous system in your safe space you can begin to have a conversation with Jesus about that person. Yes. And I think one of the things that forgiveness does ask us to do is not to necessarily reconcile, though that may be called on, and but what it does is it 
invites us to look at that person with the compassion that Jesus has for them. Yes. So to give them their humanity and yes. unforgiveness does not give them their humanity. Mm-hmm. I think that's really an important aspect of this in releasing them from control over you is allowing them to be human. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it's important because it allows you to move on without denying impact. Yeah. And so I think that's, I think that's really key. And I think the other thing that Jesus offers in that space is a victor identity. As we follow Jesus, we are victors in Christ. Right. And it's not just us by ourselves doing what we think matters in our lives. We are leaving behind old ways Yeah. and we are stepping into new ways and Jesus is inviting us into hope and into a high calling with our life and the ability to release the hard stuff from our past and former narratives and former identities is something that helps us then to follow Jesus and to step into a victorious way of living. All right. So I think those things are very rooted yes. in the gospel really. Yeah. I like that a lot. Another thing that, uh, what you said just reminded me of is that there's this idea of taking things less personally. Yeah. So one of the ways of becoming objective as you're in a forgiveness process, and this is good guys. So you should listen to this is to recognize that the way that I have been hurt by this other person isn't just about me personally. It wasn't an affront to my self specifically, but thousands of other people have been hurt in the same way by other people. Or if I hadn't been the person who was standing in front of them, somebody else would have been hurt by them. It wasn't about me. It was just part of the suffering that was available in the world. And so as we step back a little bit and gain a little bit of objectivity on what's happened to us, we realize that we're not the only one. And so the victim narrative loses a little bit of power when we do that. Because we can say, you know, back to the example of a mom who has neglected her kids, if I hadn't been the kid there, then she would have been neglecting some other kid. Right. Or there are hundreds of thousands of other people who have been object- who have been neglected by their moms. Right. So that goes back to the idea that we don't always get what we hope for. Right. And it's not to say that it didn't matter that it happened to you. It does matter that it happened to you. But it is a way that we can peel ourselves away from it a little bit. Right. And take it a little bit less personally. Yeah. And there's this idea of... The river of suffering that comes up with people who have experienced really traumatic wrongs and forgiven them is that we are all, all humans are in the river of suffering. Like we're all floating down this river. Somebody's kicking us in the head. We're kicking somebody else in the head and we're being wronged along the way. We're doing wrong to other people along the way and we are we're in this global river of suffering and forgiveness allows us to hold that suffering kind of with an open hands and recognize 
yeah, the suffering has happened to me and it's happening to other people also around me. And this is what we are in together. This is what we hold as humans. And I think when you have talked about this before and you kind of build this up and then you say, Jesus dove into the river of suffering. Yeah. And he was the one person in there who wasn't kicking other people in the head. Right. Which is so powerful to think that he he's in the river of suffering and he's not kicking anyone. Yeah. But and he's being kicked. <laughs> to death. Yes. And he it was. killed him. Yeah, he was put to death by our river of suffering yeah. and overcame it and and took his life back and has loved and served us both in that way and continues to do yeah. so. Called us into a new life of freedom. Well, and what I think is really interesting is that the thing that Jesus invites us into and in forgiving as he forgave us is to not get out of the river of suffering. Protect yeah. to create pockets of kingdom. Yeah. Where people aren't kicking each other in the head, mm-hmm. but are taking kicks and saying, no, Jesus has forgiven you. Yeah. I'll forgive you. And inviting people into something deeper and bigger and widening the circle within that. So the river has to flow around it mm-hmm. and not through it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the cool thing. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think unless you have something else for us to think through on forgiveness, I think this is our podcast. No, I think those are the thoughts that I had batting around in my head yeah for today thank you susan this was really good mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to the conversation that this creates in our community and at large um, if you have questions about forgiveness you can email us at healing the city at gmail.com or villagers online at gmail.com um, this uh, podcast is a ministry of the village church and we definitely could use you giving us reviews and rating it. It's helpful in getting it out to the larger community. So go on Apple and Spotify, write us a review, give us a bunch of stars, and uh, Mm -hmm. we really enjoy doing this. So thank you. You've been listening to Healing the City Podcast with Susan Seepman and Eric Seepman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.